Amen. Looking forward to that day. One day he is coming. Amen. That will be a glorious day. And then we'll get there. We'll sing that hymn of heaven. Miss Lindsay sang about holy, holy, holy. You know, I believe when we get to glory, we will finally, fully recognize the immensity of what he did in saving lowly creatures like you and I. We will finally see him for who he is, for what he is capable of, for what he can do, and we will realize how much he lowered himself that he might be able to redeem you and I, and the only thing that we will be able to say is holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. I am looking forward to that day. I wish in my limited state that I was able to comprehend my God for who He is. I seek to know Him. I seek to understand Him through His Word. I seek to communicate with Him through prayer. But I know that in this condemned moral uh, uh, temporal state that I am in, that my understanding is limited. But boy, there is coming a day when I will recognize Him, when I will see Him, and the Bible says, this is the best part, that I will be like him. Boy, I'm looking forward to that day when we go to be with our Savior. I feel for those that go through life without the hope of tomorrow. I don't know how I would make it through from day to day if I didn't have a hope of a better tomorrow. And looking forward to that day when we'll go to be with Him. Amen. That's not the message this morning. That's just extra. We'll be in Luke chapter number 4. Luke chapter number 4 this morning. Uh, continuing to look uh, at the life of the Lord Jesus Christ and the events uh, that took place in His life here on earth. We started this just before Christmas and of course a uh, look at his birth. Uh, uh, then we uh, have looked at, at his um, childhood. We looked at how he uh, went there and of course we saw how he was dedicated at the temple. We saw how that he returned to the temple and there uh, was uh, talking with doctors and lawyers about the things of God. Uh, uh, then we seen uh, uh, last week his baptism how that he came to John John was baptizing there in the Jordan he came to John uh, and John baptized him there in the Jordan of course we recognized uh, that the baptism of Jesus was significant because uh, at his baptism uh, it marked the beginning uh, of his earthly ministry up until uh, the point of his baptism we had really not heard much from him uh, he had lived uh, for about 30 years and only uh, one real event have we heard from his life and that was him teaching in the temple at 12 years old. We really hadn't heard anything else from him until we come to his baptism and at that baptism of course we saw how John recognized that this is the Messiah based on what God told me to look for. The Holy Spirit lighting upon him. I now see that this is the Lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world. This is who I've been telling you about. This is the Savior and so John proclaimed Jesus as the Messiah. John had garnered a good group of followers and John proclaimed to them, this is the Messiah. John told his disciples, he must increase, but I must decrease. It is time for me to take the background and for him to take the forefront. This is the Messiah. And then we know there at that baptism that God spoke from heaven. The Holy Spirit descended in the form of a dove and God said, this is my beloved. 
beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And right there we see that God above confirmed that this was the Messiah. This was the promised seed. This was the Son of God. This was the Savior of the world. And there in that moment at the baptism, it was confirmed once and for all who Jesus was. At this moment, Jesus was to begin his earthly ministry for the next three years. Jesus was going to go about. He was going to preach. He was going to perform miracles. He was going to make it clear who he was. He was going to hire the Pharisees by forgiving sins. They were going to ask, who can forgive sins but God only? And Jesus was going to fulfill the work that God had called him to do. He was launching out to do what God had called him to do that. He might be our Savior. The baptism of Jesus was significant in that we are introduced to the Savior of the world. It was the beginning of His ministry. But now we come to chapter number 4. Chapter number 3, the end of chapter number 3, Jesus is baptized. He is announced to be the Messiah. He is announced to be the Savior. Then we come to chapter number 4 and we see the first thing that Jesus encountered after he began his ministry, before he performed any miracles, before he preached a single sermon, before he selected his disciples to follow him as he ministered uh, to the world, the Bible says that he was led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. Before Jesus could minister, before he could preach, before he could go on in his ministry, he had to be tested. Immediately following his baptism, he was led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. We're going to take a few moments this morning. We're going to look at the temptation of Jesus. Let's read Luke chapter number 4. We're going to start reading in verse number 1. And Jesus, being full of... Of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost just descended from heaven and lit upon him. Now Jesus is full of the Holy Ghost. He returned from Jordan, where he was baptized at, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Being forty days tempted of the devil, and in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And the devil, taking him up into a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will I give it. If thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan. For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And he, again speaking of the devil, brought him to Jerusalem, and set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou shalt dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus answering said to him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. When the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him 
for a season. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your goodness. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity that we have, Lord, to gather together this morning to worship you. Father, Lord, as we begin to look in your word this morning, Father, I pray that you will take this passage of Scripture. Lord, through this passage of Scripture, Lord, I pray, uh, Lord, that first you will open our hearts as we look at your temptation and what you endured. Uh, Lord, that you might be able to give your life uh, for us. Father, Lord, I pray also as we look uh, at your example, uh, uh, Lord, what you endured and how you resisted temptation. Uh, Lord, that it might help us, uh, uh, Lord, whenever we are faced with temptation, Lord, to apply the same principles that, Lord, we may also be delivered from temptation. Thank you, dear Lord, for this group of people. Thank you, dear Lord, for the privileged opportunity we have to gather together and worship you. Speak to us. Speak to us from your word, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Here in this passage of Scripture, as well as in Matthew and also in the Gospel of Mark, we read the account of Jesus' temptation. And so as we look at this, I want us to consider the circumstances surrounding the temptation. We may move through those fairly quickly, Lord willing. And then I want us to consider the nature of of his temptation and how he responded to the temptations that were brought against him by the devil. The first thing that I want us to look at, though, concerning the circumstances surrounding this temptation is the timing of his temptation, the timing of his temptation. We see in verse number 1, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. We see here, as we mentioned in our introduction, that the timing of this temptation took place immediately after his baptism. This temptation took place immediately after he had been presented to the world as the Messiah. This temptation took place at the mark of the beginning of his ministry. Now something I want to point out to you from this is that Jesus is our example and whenever we look at the example of the Lord Jesus Christ I believe we can see clearly that any time you set out to do something for the Lord, the devil is going to step up to try to slow you down. Anytime you decide that you're going to step out, anytime you decide that you're going to do something for God, anytime you decide that now is the time, the devil is sure to get in the way. We see here that Jesus had been baptized. He was beginning his ministry and we see at that moment that he went into the wilderness to be tempted. Now I see two things here. One, of course, is that the devil is going to tempt us. He is going to try us. He is going to test us. He's going to try to trip us up. But at the same time, I see that the Bible says he was led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. Now we know that the Bible says that God does not tempt man with evil. But we see here that Jesus was being led to the wilderness for a period of testing. Do you know what? That before you are able to serve in a place of leadership in the work of the Lord, there has got to be a time of proving. There has got to be a time of testing. There has got to be a time, a period of growth. There has got to be some accountability. We see here that he was led of the Spirit into the wilderness at the beginning of his ministry. Next of all, not only to see the timing of his temptation, but we see the place of his temptation. It says he was led into 
the wilderness. Now if you leave the place where Jesus was baptized there on the Jordan and you head south just a few miles, you come into the Judean wilderness, a very barren place, a very desolate land that is hot. There is no vegetation. There's very little wildlife. It is just a barren, desolate place there in the Judean wilderness. Jesus left the Jordan and he was led by the Spirit to go into that Judean wilderness, this place that was hot and miserable. Whenever I think of the place of his temptation, physically he was in the wilderness. He was in a difficult place. Whenever I think of the temptation of Jesus, oftentimes I compare it to the temptation of Adam and Eve there in the garden. When Jesus faced temptation, he was in a land where there was nothing. He was in a land of misery. He was in a land where he had no shelter. He had no sustenance. He had nothing to sustain himself. He was in a barren land. Whenever I look at Adam and Eve, they were in a place of plenty. They had plenty of other opportunities. They didn't have any need for what was being presented to them. They had all that they wanted. But we see that Jesus was in the wilderness with nothing else to turn to. Physically, he was in a wilderness. When I look at the place of his temptation, I see that mentally he was alone. Mentally he was alone. You know what, many times, and although I know in the case of Adam and Eve, Eve wasn't much support. Actually, she was the downfall. But many times we can gain support if we have someone with us. But boy, I'm telling you what, there is something about being alone that plays on the mind of the human being. Every now and again, I enjoy watching an episode of the TV series Alone. I don't ever want to go live in the Arctic on an island all by myself to win half a million dollars. They can just keep their money. But I like watching the guys that try it. But you know the number one thing that sends the contestants home is that they're alone. They just can't do it. They cannot handle not having someone. Jesus in the wilderness, mentally, what was the place of his suffering? He was alone in the wilderness. Not only was he physically in the wilderness, mentally he was alone, but I want to show you another place of his temptation. To the previous two have been of a negative context. This is of a positive context. The Bible says in verse number 1, and Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost. You know what? The wilderness can be a rough place if you are facing it in your own strength. Being alone can be a tough place if you're facing it all by yourself. But we see here that although he was in the wilderness, although he did not have another physical human being, he was full of the Holy Ghost. I see that physically he was in the wilderness. Mentally he was alone. But spiritually he was full of the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you this morning that when it comes to facing temptation, you will do far better if you are full of the Holy Ghost. If you are allowing the Holy Ghost to be in you, to direct you, to instruct you, to guide you, to counsel you, you are much better equipped to withstand the temptation that the devil may throw your way. We see that Jesus had found himself here in the wilderness. He had no physical companion, but he had the Holy Ghost of God on the inside of him. 
You know what? There are times we go through life in this world that we live in and there are people everywhere and yet you ask individuals and many of them will tell you that they feel alone. People all around but no one to talk to. People all around, but no one that understands. People all around, but no one who will help me carry my burden. Let me tell you, God knew that was the place we were going to be. He knew that was the trial we were going to face. And so when he left, he told the disciples, he said, I go away, but I will send another comforter who will abide in you. It doesn't matter if you don't have a physical companion if you have the Holy Ghost on the inside of you and you are submitted to His leadership, you can withstand temptation whether you're in a plentiful land or a barren land if you're full of the Holy Ghost. We see the place of His temptation physically in the wilderness, mentally alone, but spiritually full of the Holy Ghost. Thirdly, when we look at the circumstances surrounding His temptation, I want us to notice the extent of his temptation. In verse number 2, the Bible says, being 40 days tempted of the devil. And in those days, he did eat nothing. Two things I want to show you here about the extent of his temptation. First, we see that there was continual adversity. Now, if you look in the account here in Luke, and you also look at the account in the book of Mark, I believe it is, you'll see that the Bible says he was tempted 40 days. The book of Matthew, it says at the end of the 40 days, the devil came to him. We do know that in all three accounts, uh, we only have three temptations listed. But it seems that for 40 days, the devil was there harassing the Lord Jesus Christ. He was there tempting him and testing him. We see here the extent of his temptation was continual adversity. Continual adversity. I believe by looking at the three accounts in the Gospels, you're welcome to look at them yourself and come to your own conclusion. I believe by looking at the three accounts in the Gospels, it is clear that the devil was constantly tempting him the entire time. But even if he wasn't, to be in a hot humid, dry, barren desert with no sustenance for 40 days is more adversity than most of us could stand, even if the devil wasn't there. We see for 40 days he faced continual adversity, but then I see when looking at the extent of his temptation, not only was there continual adversity, but there was a deteriorating capacity. A deteriorating capacity. You say, what are you talking about, Pastor John? The human is made up of three parts, spiritual, mental, and physical. That's who we are, body, soul, and spirit, physical, mental, and spiritual. And all three of them need to be at their peak for us to be at our peak. If any one of them become weak, the other two will begin to falter. 
You've experienced this in your own life. You may be having the best life as far as physically speaking. You're eating good. Everything's going good in your life, but you are not where you ought to be with God and you are miserable in your soul because you're not where you ought to be spiritually and you sit down to a plate of, de of a delicious meal and you have no appetite because your spiritual is not where it ought to be. You've seen that. You have also seen times uh, when spiritually uh, you are being faithful to church, you're being faithful in your devotions, uh, you're doing what you ought to be, but maybe the doctor has just diagnosed you with a sickness. Uh, uh, maybe uh, there is something going on. Maybe you just have a really bad cold. Uh, it could be any of those things. Uh, and although you are trying to get into the Word, you're trying to get along with God, your physical condition uh, begins to wear down your spiritual condition. And if either your physical condition or your spiritual condition is weak, you will find that your mental condition will suffer. It takes all three in order to withstand the devil. It takes all three to be at our optimum performance. That's what we're made up of, body, soul, and spirit. And that's why it is important that not only do we take care of our mind and not only do we take care of our physical needs, but also that we take care of our spiritual needs. It's why the preacher preaches, be careful what you're listening to. Be careful what you're watching. Be careful what you're putting into your mind because this mental state has got to be at an optimum place. The preacher preaches you need to be faithful to church. You need to be faithful to His Word because your spiritual state needs to be at optimum performance. We normally don't have to encourage you to eat, but the doctor will encourage you to make sure that you're eating right. Make sure you're taking in what you need. Make sure you're taking care of your health because all these have to be at their top in order for us to perform. Whenever I look at the extent of the temptation of the Lord Jesus Christ, I see a deteriorating capacity. It says there, and in those days, he did eat nothing. Now, I don't know how many of y'all have went without eating for an extended period of time, but it normally don't take more than about two or three hours to begin missing that dinner plate. And if you do go 12 hours, wow, we're really getting hungry. You go 24 hours uh, and everything looks delicious suddenly. I will tell you this, uh, that whenever you go a long period of time without eating, you'll find out that you're not near as picky an eater as you thought you were. The longer you go without eating, the more things you are willing to consume. I mean, you just get to where it doesn't matter. I'll eat anything. I am starving. The longer you go, the hungrier you get. And what we see here is the longer you go without eating... Your physical state gets weaker and weaker and weaker. And as your physical state begins to weaken, also your mental state begins to weaken. Your spiritual state begins to weaken. And you become susceptible to the temptations of the devil. We look here at the Lord Jesus Christ and we see that during his temptation there was continual adversity. There was a deteriorating capacity Understanding the timing of his temptation, understanding the place of his temptation and the extent of his temptation, I now want us to consider the nature of his temptation. And we'll stay here for the remainder of the message. In verse 3 down through verse number 13, we see each of the temptations that we have recorded that the devil brought to
to the Lord Jesus. This was at the end of the 40 days. Uh, the Bible said in those days he did eat nothing and afterward he was a hungered. So at the end of those 40 days, uh, he is very hungry uh, uh, to a point that I have never experienced and I would go far as far to say that I imagine no one in here has ever went without eating for 40 days. Perhaps you have, but not many people have ever experienced this. Jesus was at a place of physical weakness. Uh, he was at a place of mental uh uh, whenever you go that long without eating, your your mind begins to function more slowly. So he was at a place of mental weakness. Uh, bear in mind that he faced this temptation in his human ability so that he might suffer it the same as we would. So it's not like, well, he's God, so he was able to keep everything functioning like it should. Oh, no, he allowed it to affect him the same way it would have affected us. Uh, so here he is physically very weak. Uh, mentally, his brain is not uh, functioning the way that it ought to. Uh, he's found himself in this very weak state and at this moment the devil says now is when I'm going to launch my attack. Have you ever noticed when you're discouraged that's when you're tempted to do something maybe that you used to do before you're saved? Have you ever noticed when you're really physically tired you'll be tempted to do something that you've left behind for many years? Have you ever noticed that? You know what it is? The devil knows you're weak. And he brings the temptation when you're weak. He's always worked that way. He is sly. He is cunning. Keep in mind, he never, ever has your best interest in mind. We see here that in this state is when the devil came to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now there's three temptations that we want to look at this morning. First of all, the first temptation that the devil brought to Jesus we find in verses 3 and verse number 4. The Bible says, And the devil said unto him, if thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it, may, that it be made bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Now when we read that passage of Scripture and we see what was said, understanding Jesus' physical state, the hunger that he was facing, the temptation that we focus on, is satisfying his hunger. But that's not what the devil was tempting him to do. You see, the devil comes at us in our weakness offering a solution to bolster our weakness, whatever it may be, saying this would make you feel better. If you go back to doing that thing you used to do, you would feel better in this moment. If you were to allow yourself to enjoy that, it would encourage you in this time of discouragement. He comes offering us something that would bolster, he says, would bolster our weakness, but that is just the surface. That is the angle of his attack. What he's really after is something much deeper. We see that he came to Jesus in a time of hunger and he said, I've got a way that you can get some food. But what the temptation was, was to question the deity of himself. The temptation was to cause Jesus to question, am I really God? Now understanding that he went through this temptation in his human strength so that he might understand the temptations that you and I face, he put himself in a place that most of us have never ever been. He's been suffering physically for 40 days. He's in the heat. There's dryness. It's, it's, a, it's a scary place to live. He has had nothing to eat. He has had nothing. And remember this, the last 
thing that he heard 40 days ago was a voice speaking from heaven that said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. This is the last thing he heard. After he heard those words, he set off. And now for 40 days he's been in the wilderness starving to death. And the devil comes up and says, If you're the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. You know what gets us oftentimes in temptation is we do not think about the devil's real motive. He comes to us in a time of weakness and he says, here's what you ought to do. You ought to go back over there. You remember how much you enjoyed partaking in that sin. You ought to go back over there. He says, it'll be all right. It'll make you feel better. You remember how much you enjoyed it. You ought to go back over there. But what we fail to do is recognize that in our moment of weakness, he is tempting us to turn our back on our Savior. And instead we focus on the immediate rather than what he's really after. We see here that the devil said, if you're the Son of God, if you really are deity, if you really are the Savior of the world, if that's who you are, let's find out if that's who you are. That God that spoke to you 40 days ago, he has forgotten you. He has left you out here. He's not provided anything for you. He's left you out here to burn up in the desert heat. If you're really God, let's find out if you're really God. Turn these stones into bread. And I love the response of the Lord Jesus Christ. He looked at the devil and he said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. I'm telling you what, this just makes me want to shout. I've been shouting. That's why. He said, But by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God, he said, devil, I don't have to turn rocks into bread in order to know that I'm the son of God because 40 days ago my father told me that I was the son of God. I don't need bread to survive. All I need is to know that I am the son of God and I base it on the word of God. You know, the reason that we fail in time of temptation is because we have not resolved to live by every word of God every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God I am determined devil I'm not going to go back to that sin I know that I'm discouraged now I know I'm facing something I don't understand now I know I'm in a situation I didn't expect now but I'm not turning my back on the Lord Jesus Christ I'm not going back to that sin I'm not going back to that lifestyle I don't need that lifestyle to survive I'm living according to the word of God Jesus said, devil, you may want me to make stones into bread, but devil, I don't need bread to live. All I need is the word of God. And he said that I was his son in whom he was well pleased. Sorry, devil. Nothing wrong with eating some bread, but devil, there's no way that I'm going to question the word of my father. Oftentimes the devil will bring things into our path that there's nothing morally wrong with. We need to look deeper and see what it is that he's really 
trying to get us to do. We see the first temptation. The first temptation uh, was to question his deity. But then we see the second temptation. The second temptation in verse 5 down through verse number 8. And Simon answering said unto him, excuse me, wrong, wrong chapter. Let's go to chapter 4 here. Luke chapter number 4, verse 5. It says, And the devil taking him up into a high mountain showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. The devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee in the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I give it. If thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. The first temptation was to question his deity. The second temptation that the devil brought on the Lord Jesus Christ was an offer to avoid his destiny. An offer to avoid his destiny. Why did Jesus come? He came to die. We sing the song at Christmas time, Born to Die. He came to give his life in the cruelest, most inhumane way that had been devised by people at that time. He came to suffer. He came to shed his blood. He came to be mocked, to be ridiculed, to be made fun of, to be rejected. He came to die. Now the Israelites were excited that their king was coming. They were looking forward to a king that was going to come and he was going to rule and he was going to reign. Of course, they misunderstood the prophecy and there is coming a day when he's going to rule and he's going to reign. But first, he must be a sacrifice. First, he must make remission for sin. First, he must provide redemption. The devil said, I've got an offer for you. You want to be king? The plan God's got laid out for you includes suffering and pain and adversity and mockery. I've got an offer. If you will worship me, I'll make you king without the suffering. I'll make you ruler without the pain. I will give you everything that you want and you won't have to suffer for it. You see, here's the problem is the devil misunderstood the heart of our Savior. He didn't come because he wanted to be king. He came because he wanted to save you and I. He came because he wanted to make a way of salvation. The devil said, if you'll, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give you everything. i give you an offer to avoid your destiny. Satan's temptation, again, was aimed at a physical weakness. Do you know that when you're in a point of suffering, more suffering seems greater at that moment. Have you ever been, let's just make it something light that we've experienced. Have you ever had a good case of the flu? And after about that third day, you say to your spouse or to whoever will listen to you, I don't think I can take any more of this. Have you, have you ever said that? I've, I've had a, a cold in my head for a week and a half now, and about a week ago I told Melissa, I said, I just, I just cannot handle this stuff being in my head, but it's still there. But, uh, you know, we get to a point where, like, I don't think I can handle any more of this. Jesus has been suffering physically for 40 days, 
and the devil says, let me make you an offer. There's some suffering in your future. I can take it away. There's some things that you're going to face. I can make it go away. The devil again came at the Lord Jesus with an offer of, with his physical weakness, but his goal for the Lord Jesus, what he was ultimately trying to accomplish was spiritual failure, that the Lord would bow down and worship him. The devil said, I can save you the pain, the suffering, and the humiliation, but the devil's real goal was to gain superiority over the Son of God. Let me just say this. Whenever the devil comes promising you better than you've got, understand his real goal is to own your soul. He might make it sound like he's looking for your best interest, but his real goal is to have control over your life. He never has your best interest in mind. Jesus again saw through the superfluity of this temptation and he answered according to his ultimate goal. The Lord said in verse number 8, And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Not doing it, devil. Why? We've seen that the first thing the Lord said was I'm living by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Devil, it is written, thou shalt only worship the Lord thy God. There's no way that I'm bowing down to you. I'm living according to the word of God. But then we see the third temptation that's recorded here for us is in verse 9 through 12, Satan tempts the Lord Jesus a third time. In verse 9 it says, and he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. And Jesus answering said to him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Here in this last temptation, we see that the devil tempted the Lord Jesus Christ to test the character and power of God. Now I want to point out to you here very quickly the subtility of Satan in his temptation. The first temptation, the devil said, if you be God, make these stones bread. Jesus said, I'm going to live according to the word of God. Not doing it. The second temptation, the devil said, I can give you all of this. And Jesus answered and said, it is written. I'm a living according to the word of God. I'm not doing it. Look what Satan did in this third temptation. Catch this, if you will. The devil talking here, let's just start with verse 9 again. He brought him to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of temple and said to him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence. Verse number 10, still the devil talking. For it is written. Okay, Jesus, you want to play that card? You want to quote the Bible? I know the Bible. I can quote it too. You want to use the Bible as your defense? I'll use the Bible as your downfall. You want to use the Bible to tell me why you can't do something? I'll use the Bible to tell you why you can do something. And let me tell you, this world is full of people standing behind pulpits holding this book, using this book to tell you why you can disobey it. 
The devil said, you want to use this book? I can use it too. Let me throw this at you. The Bible says that if you, if you fall, the angels will minister to you. Let's check and see if God is who he says he is. Let's see if that book you're holding up will hold up. And the Lord answered and said, that he said, and Jesus answered and said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. If you look in the other two gospels where this was recorded, it says it is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. You know what Jesus did? He answered Scripture with Scripture. You know how to defend yourself whenever a false teacher is misusing the Word of God is that you know the rest of the Word of God. I can pull verses out of here individually and I can make the Bible say just about anything I want it to say and you will fall for that trap unless you know what the other verses say. I've had people try to bring things to me and they say, but the Bible says this. And I'll say, have you read the rest of that chapter? That's not at all what that is talking about. That's not at all how that applies. You know how you defend yourself when the devil tries to use the Bible against you is you turn the Bible back around and tell him he doesn't know what he's talking about. You see, the Bible tells us just as we was talking about in our Sunday school class this morning that the understanding of the Word of God is given to us through the Holy Spirit of God. The natural man receiveth not the things of God, but they are given to us by the Holy Spirit of God. You know something that the devil does not have living on the inside of him that you and I have dwelling on the inside of us? That is the Holy Ghost. And although he can try to twist this book, he can try to misuse this book, he can try to throw it at us, he can tell us what it says... He does not understand it. He doesn't understand its principles. It's why he thought these temptations would work against the Lord Jesus Christ. It's because he does not understand what's going on on the inside of the Christian. And we just take and say, Devil, you can throw Scripture at us, but let me tell you, you've misunderstood what the Bible says. Jesus says, Devil, you're right. If I were to fall, they would lift me up. But the Bible also tells me that I'm not to needlessly test the character and the power of God. You know what the Bible tells us? That, we, that the Lord will bless those that, that love Him and that He'll extend the life of those that obey His commandments and on and on and on we go. All kind of promises concerning the length of our life. But if I go out here and stand in the middle of Route 11 or lay myself down in the middle of a lane to see if God will protect me, there's a chance I'm going to get run over. Because God's going to say, you're being ignorant. I can't leave you on this earth if you're going to act that way. Now there's a chance he might protect me. But the Bible says you're not to test the character and power of God. We're not to test it, we're to trust it. Jesus said, devil, it does say that the angels will minister to me. But devil, we're not going to try and trick Jesus and see if the angels will come and minister to me. We're not going to tempt the Lord our God. Verse number 13, it says that the devil, it says, he ended all the temptation and he departed from him for a season. That last phrase there, for a season, is a good thing to remember because it's good to understand that the devil will always come back. You might beat him today, but he'll be back tomorrow. You might beat him tomorrow, but he'll be back the next day. That's why we have to be vigilant. 
not slumbering, not slacking, but always making sure that we are ready to fight the devil. Speaking of that, I see that in each temptation, Jesus was victorious, and I believe there's two reasons he was able to have victory over his temptation. Real quickly, let's look at the victory of temptation. First, I see that he relied on the Spirit of God. He was able to have victory because he relied on the Spirit of God. Whenever I am physically weak, whenever I am mentally weak, I do well not to rely on myself, but rather rely on the truths of the Word of God and the guidance of the Spirit of God. A quote that's been used oftentimes is, Never doubt in the darkness what you knew to be true in the daylight. Sometimes when you're physically weak and you're mentally weak, your surroundings become darkness. Don't doubt in the darkness what you do in the daytime. Jesus was in a time of darkness, but he relied on the Spirit of God. But not only was he victorious because he relied on the Spirit of God, but he was victorious because of his understanding of the Word of God. The devil tried to use the Word of God against our Savior, and the Savior was able to resist the devil because of his understanding of the Word of God. I want to show you something. If you turn back to Matthew chapter number 4, this is where we find the account of the temptation of Christ in the book of Matthew. We find it in chapter number 4 as well. You remember in the book of Luke, the devil, the last temptation, the devil says, if you fall, the Bible says the angels will minister to you. And Jesus said, I'm not going to tempt the Lord my God. I'm not going to test his character and power. I'm going to trust that he is who he says he is. The Bible says that the devil left. In Matthew chapter number 4, we have an added detail that's not recorded for us in the book of Luke. This is why I love all four Gospels because it gives us such a beautiful picture. In verse number 11, this is when the, the same as verse 13 in the book of Luke. It says, Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, the angels came and ministered unto him. You know what happens when you fully understand the word of God? Jesus said, I'm not going to tempt the Lord God. I'm going to trust the Lord God. I'm not going to jump off of the pinnacle of a temple just to see if God will do what he said he'd do because I believe that he'll do what he said he will do. And then the devil said, okay, I give up and he left. And you know what God did? He came through on the promise that the devil tried to use against him and the angels came and they ministered to him. Let me tell you, it's always far better when you are receiving the benefit God's way than instead of trying to force it your way. The angels came and they ministered unto him. We see here that Jesus had a victory over his temptation because he relied on the Spirit of God. He understood the Word of God. Now as we look at this concerning ourselves, as we wrap this up, I want to point out two things. You and I face temptation every day. The temptation I face may be different than the temptation you face. The devil knows our weaknesses and he targets our weakness, but he's always got a much bigger goal in mind when he targets our weaknesses. We're all faced with temptation. But the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse number 13, there hath no temptation taken. You ought to memorize this verse if you don't have it memorized. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. So mark this, whatever you're facing, you're not the only one that's ever faced it. 
Nothing's ever tempted you that someone else hasn't already endured or will endure. The verse goes on to say, but God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Jesus faced a tremendous temptation. He was at a physically weak state. He was at a mentally weak state. He faced a tremendous temptation at a scale that you and I have probably never even entered into. And he was victorious because of two reasons. He relied on the Spirit of God and he understood the Word of God. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians that you will not face a temptation that you are not able to escape. If you are facing the temptation, there is a way out. God has provided a way out. What is that way out? The same thing Jesus used. Rely on the Spirit of God and understand the Word of God. You want to escape temptation, you be a person who is filled with the Spirit, who spends their time understanding the Word of God, and you will have the same tools that Jesus had to be able to escape in the day of temptation. Check yourself. The times that you have yielded to temptation is when you were physically weak, mentally weak, spiritually weak, and you relied on yourself as your defense, and you failed. The way you avoid temptation is relying on the Spirit of God and understanding the Word of God. Luke 8, verse number 13, speaking of the parable of the sower, speaking of the seed that fell on the rock, they on the rock are they which when they hear receive the Word with joy. And these have no root, which for a while believe and in time of temptation, they fall away. Why did temptation get them? Because they had no root. The Bible says in Psalm 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Luke says these fell away because they had no root. Psalm says he that spends time in this book will have roots and will be able to withstand in the day of temptation. Our Savior, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. He is our example. God has said, if you rely on me and my word, I can give you strength in the day of adversity. I know that all of us daily, regularly face temptation. I know that there are times when we give in. I thank the Lord that 1 John 1, 9 says, but if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God knows we're not perfect. God knows there'll be times that we fail. But God has also given us a means of defense against the fiery darts of Satan. May we look at this example of the Lord Jesus Christ and say, Lord, help me 
to be a person who endeavors to stay full of the Spirit of God and entrenched in the Word of God that I can withstand when the devil comes knocking at my door. Let's all stand to our feet. Miss Debbie's going to come to the piano. If the Lord spoke to your heart this morning, you want to come. As Miss Debbie plays, you come. You say, Pastor, I don't want to come forward because then everybody will know that I've been struggling with temptation. The Bible's already told me that you're all struggling with temptation. It said there's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. I know that everyone here struggles with temptation, the same as myself, the same as all of us. So if you want to get some help this morning from this message, as Miss Debbie plays, come to this altar and say, Lord, help me. Look to you that I might gain the strength I need in time of temptation.